Welcome to episode six of the MJ Sports Report podcast, our weekly podcast where Kyle and I get together and talk about the local high school sports scene. I am Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-worker and co-host Kyle Heim. And Kyle, just real quick, I wanted to jump into something that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, you know, if you guys haven't heard, I, I was out of town last week, so that's why we missed the podcast uh, back as normally scheduled this week. And uh, a, a pretty big volleyball match. Uh, Kyle Durant over Wilton in a uh, five-set thriller, is that correct? Five-set thriller. Yeah, yeah. just t- tell me what it was like uh, to be there for that one. I'm sure there was a ton of energy in that building, just given the rivalry between those two. It really, you didn't know what was going to happen in that one. Uh, Durant jumped out to a 26-24 win in the first set after going down 16-12, to came back and won that one, used a 6-0 run. And that was Wilton's first um, loss in a set at home this season, so... I kind of gave him some momentum, but then Walton responded with 25-21, 25-22 wins in the next two sets, and Durant got him 25-20 in the fourth set, and then won the fifth set 15-13. to So That's impressive by, by Durant. Obviously, the win in itself is impressive, but to be down two sets to one on the road to, to a team like Wilton, and obviously that, that's reflected now in the rankings here. Durant, Durant is for real. I mean, Durant is number 10 at this point in Class 2A. Uh, Wilton number eleven, uh, West Liberty by the way number number eight in Class Three A. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to to ask you about that real quick before we got started. As always, we will have uh, the Week Six recaps and then we'll have the Week Seven matchups um, for football this week. That'll be Muscatine versus Linmar, a big one there for the Muskies. It'll be Senior Night, uh, Durant at Highland. Um, that one's actually moved to six p.m. Uh, due to the impending weather. So if you're hearing this before then, make sure you get there. Uh, by six, and then Wilton um, at Minneapolis, uh, West Liberty, um, Louisa Muscatine, Wapolo Van Buren, and Columbus Junction and Sigourney should be a, a good slate of, uh, of Friday football. Um, but first, Kyle, uh, I wanted to get to something else that happened while I was gone. A bit busy week uh, last week while I was out of here. You were kind of the point man on this. Uh, Steve Hopkins, uh, former Durant uh, softball coach, is headed to Muscatine. I just wanted to get your your impressions on that and just kind of talk to you about how how that went down you were the one obviously working on that story yeah I mean Hopkins has was born and raised in Muscatine he's works at Han down there so um, you know this was seemed to just like a great opportunity for him to he, he um, expressed that desire to not have to travel all the way to Durant said it was about an hour commute so he's able to come back and coach a 5A program like Muscatine in his hometown so mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, obviously it's got to be a great opportunity for him to, to leave that team that, that he would have had coming back in Durant. Cause, I mean, that's a 30-plus win team. He was 336-84 and 84 in his 11 seasons there, led them the five state tournaments, uh, 2013 state title. And he would have had almost all those girls back from last year. They, they're going to be competing with the Wise and Muscat team yeah. probably for the, for the state title next year. So obviously, yeah, you know this was something that, that he had won. It's kind of funny. We... We had seen, I think Hopkins had even said this on his own Twitter account, maybe, that he was only going to be at Durant one more season. So he uh, he's apparently extending the the coaching career a little bit longer. Yeah. I don't think he's just going to be at Muscatine for one season. And Kyle, he takes over, uh, e- even though Jason Stoltzfus, you know, is there three years and gone, and takes over a program in, in pretty good shape. Yeah, they've had quite a bit of success these last three seasons, 72-46 and 46 record. Haven't been to the state tournament, so that's obviously the goal there to get them back there. But um, they return a lot of talent, too. 
Uh, Riley Moss led the team in batting average last year, 484 as a freshman. Haley Jarrett, shortstop, had a team high 41 RBIs last year. Kaylee Reynolds, who played mostly catcher, had seven home runs as a junior. Kate Nelson, the third baseman, 11 doubles and 26 RBIs. And then pitcher Kerry Nelson had a 14-8 and record and 1.93 ERA. Yep, so. absolutely. And we all we really know at this point is that Stoltzfist resigned. We don't know a whole lot more about, about that situation. Um, again, 72 and 46 in his three seasons there. Um, we also don't know for sure what, what assistants are or are not staying on with Muscatine at this time. Uh, maybe when we know more about that, we'll let you know. And, and yeah, I guess that, that's kind of a fluid situation there. We'll, we'll keep you updated as much as, as we get updated. Uh, but we can just go ahead and jump in uh, to the football stuff. Uh, last Friday was obviously a, a big one, week, week two of district play. We can start with Muscatine. Uh, PV beat Muscatine 49 to 35 in Pleasant Valley. Uh, Kyle, you were there. Just how impressive was uh, was quarterback uh, Max Slavin for Pleasant Valley? He's really good. Uh, coach Muscatine coach Jake Mueller talked about that before the game that you know they were really going to have to key in on him, dual threat quarterback. Um, he said he's as good as a quarterback he's seen at Pleasant Valley. So. Um, that's and probably saying something because obviously yeah. Pleasant Valley yeah. is a good program. Yeah, and he proved that. I mean, Pleasant Valley had 607 total yards in this one. Slavin rushed for 251 and passed for 158, had six total touchdowns. So this is an old-fashioned shootout, PB 149-35. And Muscatine had 462 total yards. Tim Nimley, 30 carries for 257 yards and a touchdown. Carson Orr was really good, 18 of 30, 174 yards, four touchdowns. And uh, Eli Gay is top target, 10 catches, 93 yards, and three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just kind of the usual suspects offensively for them. I know M- Mueller told me the other day that that was that these last six quarters, so, you know, Pleasant Valley game, and then the week before, the, the two quarters against City High when they outscored 34 nothing. That That's the best uh, offensively that they've they've looked this season. Um, like you say here in the notes, probably their best offensive game and worst defensive game of the year. Last week, uh, Mueller kind of told me because I I was asking him just about Linmar coming up here because they're they're completely different from Pleasant Valley. You know, PV is different from everybody anyway. But Linmar just throws it around, and so I asked him, I was like, "Well, what what can you even take uh, defensively from this game? Because you're just going to go play a completely different team." And he's like, "Well, you know, we can take that if you don't you know don't line up in the right spots, you don't do your assignments, you know, just listing off all these things they didn't do." So he. He was not happy defensively with how they played, and I know he's hoping uh, for better this week. Uh, that If Muscatine would have won that game, they would be in, in, I would say, probably really good position for a playoff spot at this point. Um, right now, uh, I would say they're teetering. They, they need a, probably a 2-1 and one finish down the stretch here to get it done. Yeah. yeah. And we can, uh, we can move on just real quick, uh, breeze through these area games. Uh, Loiza Muscatine versus Comanche. Uh, was Comanche 33, LNM 22. Uh, Chase Cruz passes for 191. Uh, rushing attack was really held in check, though. Uh, Cody Calvillage, 59 yards. Uh, Carson Cantrell, 34. Cruz had 23 yards. I believe that was on something like 15 or 17 carries. So that's probably, I would imagine, the best he's been held in check on the ground this year. Uh, Max McCauley, 47 yards. Uh, Cody Calvillage did also have 112 receiving yards. Um, Comanche have five guys with 20 or more rushing yards. Um, Baylor Krieger led them with 105. Uh, Loiza Muscatine now 3-3 three and three on the season, 1-1 one and one 
heading into a big matchup with West Liberty this week. Kyle, anything to add on the Falcons? It just seems like Chase Cruz, quarterback, maybe he had his best passing performance of the season this one. He completed 10 of 10 passes in that one, and he, he now has a 68.9 completion percentage on the season, so it seems like he's starting to get more involved in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then uh, mo- moving on to their opponent this week, um, West Liberty versus West Burlington, um, West Liberty being the opponent coming up this week. Uh, West Liberty now riding a two-game winning streak with a 39-0 win uh, last Friday. And obviously they, they beat Mount Vernon 27-9 the previous week. I know we didn't get a chance to talk about that, but that that was the huge win for them. That was a game that uh, you know Isky, uh, Jason Isky, head coach, he told me that I think both teams kind of knew. He said uh, Mount Vernon and West Liberty you know, win this game and you've got a shot at the playoffs, you lose it. You're probably probably on the outside looking in, so big time win for them. Um, and that kind of just leads me to my prep of the week this week. Uh, Seth Feldman, uh, in his last two games, which were both just you know must wins uh, for these guys for the Comets, passed for 301 yards and three touchdowns, while also rushing 28 times for 184 yards. That might be the most impressive thing actually about him this year is he he's their leading rusher with like 103 carries. I want to say. This year, he's only like 22 off of his entire season total last year. So he, he's been the running back and the quarterback for a lot of the season. And it just kind of seems like things are coming together for the Comets right now. Iski said they've found five offensive linemen that they like in spots that they like. Early in the season, they, will sh- they were shuffling guys around, uh, trying to get them comfortable. The defense is improving. The skill guys are improving. Uh, they had some kids miss some games early on in the season. Uh, Feldman even actually had to play some cornerback early in the year, which he didn't do at all last year. And uh, the Mount Vernon game was apparently the first game they were fully healthy, uh, full team on the field. So I guess you could say they're 2-0 and when they have their full complement of players. Uh, Kyle, a- anything to add on the comments at this point who are riding a, a big-time hot streak right now? Yeah, I'll be honest. I picked Mount Vernon to beat them in, <laughs> in that game. So I, I've been really impressed here in district play. They're 2-0. and I think the only unbeaten team in Class 2A District 5, mm-hmm. so they really control their own destiny here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they win this game against Loise and Muscatine, I think they've got a great shot at a, at a district title. And then we can move on to another team that has, has a great shot at district title here, uh, Durant at Cardinal. I skipped over this one, just talk about West Liberty real quick. Um, but Durant, they're just off to a dominant start in district play, Kyle. I guess, what, what have you thought? Uh, of the way the Wildcats have played, a 56-6 win the other night, 38-16 uh, two weeks ago, 4-2, and 2-0 and in district play on the season. Yeah, they just have so many weapons offensively. And like you said, they're off to a great start in district play. They've outscored those first two teams 94-22, to and they've gained over 1,000 total yards combined in those two contests. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Coach Joel Diedrichs, I, I actually I ran him. I was at a volleyball match in Durant a couple weeks ago. And we were talking, I think it was before district play, and I just made the comment, like, it looks like you guys ha- have a tough district coming up. And he says, yeah, but, you know, we've been playing, you know, they've been playing 3A and 2A teams all their first four games. So I, th- I think playing up will help us. I think we'll be more ready than some of these other teams. And so far, he, he is absolutely right. I mean, they, they have just been very impressive. Uh, you know, Bryce LaFrenz had 237 passing yards and four touchdowns. They have two guys in DeLong and Tristan Hughes with 100 and 147 rushing yards for Hughes, 192 for DeLong. 
Uh, Mason Compton, 193 receiving yards, three touchdowns, had a 91-yard touchdown. He currently leads the state with 785 receiving yards. So just impressive start for him. And, and then we can move on to uh, to rival Wilton, who just, just keeps on rolling along as well, a 35-6 to win over Wapolo. Uh, Kyle, just what have you thought of the Beavers since district play? They have that setback a couple weeks ago uh, against Benton, but really since then they've been pretty lights out taking care of business. Yeah, their defense has been phenomenal all season long. They're tied for second in Class 1A in sacks with 19. They're second in solo sacks for loss with 67, and they're giving up just 9.8 points per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to build on what you're saying there, they completely shut down Wapolo's offense. I mean, Noah Holland held the 51 yards passing. Ricky Fort's 17 rushes for 39 yards. So just just really nothing going offensively there for the Indians. I, I don't think their touchdown came until late in the game when it was well out of reach. So just uh, another good win for Wilton. And like I mentioned earlier, they've got Minneapolis coming up this week. That, that'll basically be for the district title there. So so big one for them. And then, uh, you know, just last thing here, speaking of Minneapolis, they, you know, again against an area team of ours, uh, this time Columbus Community. But, Kyle, this was a lot closer than I think either. We didn't predict this game because we didn't have the podcast, but – Columbus Much closer than either of us would have predicted, I'm thinking, right? Yeah, yeah it's a shocker. Yeah, I mean, 55-40, to 40, uh, Minneapolis win. Kyle, you had the stat in your in your story previewing this week's games. I'd have to go look back at it. But how many points had Columbus scored entering this game all season? 46 combined points through the first five weeks. And then they put up 40 against the number five ranked team in Class 1A. And Kyle, it was really Chance Colby, it looks like, who who got it done. Yep, he dominated there, passed for 111 yards, four touchdowns, rushed 21 times for 200 yards, and another touchdown. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Minneapolis only rushed for 206 rushing yards, which I say only, that's still a pretty good day, but when you think about what teams have been doing to Columbus on the ground, you know, 300, 400 yards on a pretty consistent basis, and you think Minneapolis is a top 10 team in Class 1A and also just in rushing yards, and with, with 1,254 entering that game, that's impressive by the Columbus defense. Definite progress uh, on their part. I, I just think it maybe it's too little too late for them to get a win just based on their schedule, but nice to see the improvement down the stretch. And uh, we can move on to, to volleyball here. Uh, we'll leave football in the rearview mirror for now. Get back to that when we get to our previews. I'll just real quick, Kyle, Muscatine Volleyball. They go 1-4 and four over the weekend in Cedar Rapids. They play better earlier in the week, but lose in straight sets to a, a good North Scott team. And then you were there last night. They lose to Clinton in straight sets. Uh, what did you see in that one? Yeah, I'm talking to Tim Martin afterward, he, and just seeing it, he um, Musk team defense played well in that one. They had 21 blocks in the match. They lead the Mississippi Athletic Conference in blocks this season, so no surprise there really, but... Um, they just fell behind early and never could quite completely come back in any of the sets. They fell behind 3-0 in the first set and then 4-0 in each of the next two sets and ended up dropping all three. So. Right, and then obviously we know that, that Clinton is a very good team. It didn't seem like Martin was uh, was too discouraged with with the way they played last night. It seemed like he was pleased with their defense based on your story. You, you mentioned the 21 blocks, so... Yeah, we'll see how they finish their season here. They, they go to a tournament in Bettendorf on Saturday, uh, play at home against Davenport Central on Monday, and then in the postseason play, so it's really kind of getting down to the, to the nitty-gritty for volleyball. 
at this point. And and then uh, we've got West Liberty here. Um, just, just seems like they're just very dangerous with, with Pace and uh, Dahlfeld on the court at the same time. Um, they, they get a sweep uh, against North Cedar last night, uh, 25-18, 25-19, 25-12. Um, and th- that's on the heels of losing back-to-back matches uh, against Wilton and Tipton uh, recently when, when Pace missed with an illness. They're 11-2 and with losses to, to Tipton and Pleasant Valley. Um, yeah, and just last night, Morgan Pearson, 34 assists. Macy Akers, 25 digs. Uh, Dawfelton Pace, uh, no pun intended here, paced the, the, the kills for the Commons. They're ranked number eight in Class 3A. Kyle, it, any thoughts on, on the West Liberty volleyball team at this point? They're playing well at the right time. Like you mentioned, 11-2 and two in their last 13, so mm-hmm. this is right where you want to mm-hmm. be heading into the postseason, I think. Yep, absolutely, and just as long as both of those two hitters are, are healthy heading into postseason play here, you've got to think they have a, a shot to make some noise. Obviously, I'm sure West Liberty fans have seen the draw. I think they'll have Davenport Assumption in round two if they get there. So very, 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 very tough road to the state tournament, but, I mean, not not impossible for this group with that, that has shown it can play with anybody this year, when healthy especially. And then... uh. Just on to another RVC team here in Durant. We talked about their win over Wilton. And, uh, Kyle, what you call one of the best volleyball matches in the area this season. I, I think that's probably an accurate accurate description. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, there were just so many great individual performances in that five-setter against Wilton. Um, I'll go through some of these stats. For Durant, Auburn Dittmer had 20 kills and 16 digs. Cameron Meyer had 19 kills and 16 digs. Ruby Kapler had 48 assists and 24 digs, and Hannah Happ had 30 digs. Paige Worthman also chipped in 21 digs for Durant. And then even for Wilton, Aubrey Putman had a team best, 26 kills, 25 digs, and five blocks. Emily Lang had 16 kills, and Courtney Drake had 21 digs. Um, then setter Alec Caffrey finished with 46 assists and 15 digs. So. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm glad you, you said that because it gave me time to look up uh, last night's result, we, we never got the score last night, but Durant did beat Anamosa in straight sets, uh, 25-20, and then it was 18-17 for Anamosa in the next two sets. So the Wildcats just uh, keep won. just keep rolling along here. They won seven of nine now. So yeah, and um, you know, they Mark Lau, their coach. He he's just really optimistic about about this team. He told me he doesn't think there's any reason why they can't be playing in the last match of the season. So obviously, he he believes in this group, and they've. They proved him right so far. Uh, um, Wilton has rebounded uh, pretty nicely, though, since since that disappointment against Durant. Uh, they beat Regina in four sets uh, earlier in the week, or I guess last Thursday. Excuse me, they didn't play earlier this week, and then they beat Northeast um, very easily in straight sets last night. So the Beavers uh, just kind of keep trucking along as well. I think they're twenty three and three at this point in the season. And then uh, now on to my favorite segment, just because I get to say this. We're on to some SEISC volleyball. Um, Wapala wins in five sets over LNM earlier this week. An impressive win um, by Wapalo because I think it was at LNM Senior Night. And Wapalo lost the opening two sets. So to win the next three on the road like that is, uh, is very impressive. Uh, and then Columbus, they, they lose in four to Iowa Mennonite School earlier in the week. 
Um, the only score we have seen from last night is they did bounce back. Uh, Columbus did and beat uh, Lone Tree in straight sets uh, pretty convincingly. So good on the, the Wildcats here, I guess. Looking now, it looks like Minneapolis beat Wapolo in straight sets. And uh, Winfield Matt Union also beat Loiza Muscatine in straight sets. So Columbus did get the win last night. Uh, Wapolo and LM, the other two teams, not so lucky. And uh, yeah, Kyle, just anything to add on the SEI SC volleyball front here? It just seems like it's kind of been an up and down season for all three of these teams, really. Mm-hmm. It seems like Wapolo has kind of emerged as, as the best of these three. I think they're something like 9 and 12 at this point in the season. They, they've battled a tough schedule. They've had a young team, obviously, this year. So they've, it seems like they, they've been, like you said, up and down, but they've been playing pretty well uh, as of late. And then on to uh, the second thing you've covered this week. Um, checking in with our good friend John An- Judd Anderson, uh, one of my favorite weekly segments here. Uh, Muskie Girls Swimming loses uh, 111-72 at Davenport Central. Uh, Kyle, I know this was one that, that Anderson had really identified as an important meet for them, so I'm sure he was a little disappointed that they weren't able to, to maybe win this one or fare a little bit better. Yeah, he said all season long that, you know, there's basically three tiers in the Mississippi Athletic Conference when it comes to girls swimming. Top tier with Pleasant Valley, Bendorf, and then middle tier with Muscatine and Davenport Central, he feels like, and then the rest of the league. So he thought this would be one of the most competitive conference duels of the season, um, but kind of had to shake things up a little there. Last minute change. Uh, the meet was originally scheduled to be at Muscatine, but the pool supposedly had some issues. I was going to say, yeah, it w- was it just what were the issues with the pool, do we know? Uh, I'm not sure what the issues were. Anderson didn't say. He just said that there were issues and the pool had been closed for the last few days. I'm, so. just, I'm just imagining that pool just, like, spitting, like, black, like, sludge in the water. It's like a black pool out there. I'm, I'm, not, saying, I'm not saying that's actually what the case is, just, just FYI, just making a joke here. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned it here. Uh, a couple of the swimmers, it sounds like, couldn't make it. Did that have anything to do with just the meet getting relocated, or what, what was the deal there? It sounded like um, some of them are cheerleaders for their football, and mm-hmm. so they were, I think, pre- at a freshman or sophomore game. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, one who did make it, obviously, Abby Lear, has had a very good freshman season. Continues that with uh, wins in the 50 freestyle and the 100 freestyle. Uh, Lexi Hurt uh, won the one-meter diving. So, so good showing by those two uh, for the Muskie swimmers. Uh, Kyle, how's, how's Anderson kind of feeling about, about his swimmers and just about how things have played out uh, heading into kind of the stretch run uh, of their season here as well? Yeah, it sounds like he's pretty optimistic. Um, these last two weeks have kind of been a little hectic for him with homecoming and then this week the football game and all the festivities yeah. being senior night. Homecoming so. is the bane of Judd Anderson's existence. I'll just tell you guys that. Yeah, so he's, he's had to make a lot of changes to the practice schedule so all these swimmers can be involved in those activities as well. So I think he's looking forward to getting out of these two weeks and then moving closer to getting ready for the postseason. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we can move here to actually the only team that is no longer in action this season, uh, Muskie Golf. Uh, their season is over. Obviously a week removed from a good performance at, at the conference tournament to rally for a fourth-place finish. Not as good at, at districts the other day. Um, 11th place. They had nobody below 90. It was Nate Dirks who shot a 90. They do return four of their six golfers, including a couple of their top ones for next year. So I'm thinking next year maybe could be a, 
a little smoother for uh, Coach Schultz and, and company. Kyle, just any last last thoughts on Muskie Golf before we put their season to bed here? I don't think so. <laughs> and we can move on. Um, we've got cross country. Uh, a couple weeks in a row we've been fortunate enough to have Muskie cross country on the podcast. The weather has been been better for them. They were at the Jim Hetrick Invitational in DeWitt yesterday. Uh, just another great showing by senior Riley Blake. Uh, she was fourth in 20 minutes and 45 seconds. Um, the girls were third as a team. Uh, Sophia Thomas was 15th and uh, Gwen Cool 31st. So just a good showing by them. Um, Kyle, the boys, uh, Owen Hazelwood, 15th in 1742. They were fifth as a team. Eli Roth, 26th. Aiden Armstrong, 29th. Tevin Tovar actually didn't run. He was sick. It sounds like he could have run yesterday if it was, like, an important meet. But they wanted to make sure he was 100% by conference. And uh, Chris Foxen expects him to be 100% by conference. And he's hoping to have a good shot at third place. It kind of sounds like Musk, or kind of sounds like Bettendorf and Pleasant Valley are the clear 1-2. You know, where have we heard that before? And, uh, and Musk the team be battling out for third. But, you know, it seems like the Muskies have been, been running well as of late, Kyle. Seems like they've been really consistent in these mm-hmm. meets lately, even with all kind of a crazy schedule and having to reschedule things. They've been in top, both teams, girls and boys, have been around fourth, third mm-hmm. in team standings. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was a pretty big meet there at yesterday. And just, it seems like every time we get the results, we, we see them, it's always Riley Blake in the top five or six runners at least, and then Owen Hazelwood and uh, and Tevin Tovar. Obviously, he didn't race yesterday, but when he does race, Tevin Tovar and Hazelwood are usually both in that top 12 to 15 range. So it's nice that they're able to have that consistency up top with maybe some of the younger kids still finding their footing and and their races. And, yeah, I think really the only area across country that we have to get to is Wilton actually ran in the same invite as Muscatine yesterday over in DeWitt. Uh, The girls were ninth. Boys were eighth. Uh, Lindsey Ford, uh, 24th for the girls. An impressive showing for... For two of the Wilton boys, though, um, Buddy Darting was third, uh, Zach Hine ninth, no other Wilton runner in the top uh, 60, I don't think. So that you know, that's why you get the ninth place finish, even though you've got two top 10 kids. But Kyle, those those two top 10 kids are, are pretty good. Really good. And Buddy Darting's been to the state tournament last two years, mm-hmm. had a really good showing there last year. But I think Zach Hine has a pretty good shot to join him there this year. Yeah, yeah, seems like he's got... Uh, a decent shot at company this year. I, I don't know how good. Lindsey Ford may even have a shot to, to go on the girls' side. Not totally sure what that landscape looks like at this point. But you know, we, we can move on. Obviously, just a, a really big football Friday. They're, they're all big, but especially this one, week, week three of district play. This is kind of where uh, we see some separation where there's some teams that, you know, at this point are just playing for pride. And then there's some teams that are still in the thick of it battling for a playoff spot. And I think Muscatine qualifies uh, as a team battling for a playoff spot. Playing Linmar tonight, um, senior night for the Muskies. They're 1-1 in district play. They're number 14 in the IHSAA playoff RPI rankings. Um, Remember, top 16 teams get in. District winners all get in first. And then who's ever left in the top 16 or maybe even beyond that, depending on where those teams are, we'll get in. Um, Muscatine is a four-point favorite, uh, according to BC Moore. 
Um, maybe you would expect a bigger point spread against a 1-5 team, but Linmar has only has lost three games by a combined eight points and had a tough schedule, so they actually could very easily have a winning record. Their one win this year, a 33-14 win over uh, Cedar Rapids Jefferson. Obviously, if you guys remember, that's the same team that Mustang beat in double overtime earlier in, in the year. I don't think Mustang played its best game by any means, but just to... Uh, to give you an idea there, Linmar is a better team than its record would indicate. And then, you know, throwing the ball is what they like to do. Uh, Marcus Orr has thrown for just over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. That's actually the seventh most passing yards in Class 4A this season. Um, Mueller said they like to, to spread around. Obviously very, very different from the PV offense they faced last week. That was just triple option, run it down your throat for the most part. Um, defensively, they're a lot different, too. Um, they bring a lot of blitzes from the linebacker and safety spots. Um, Mueller said that's really something they haven't seen this year, or at least the type of blitzes that, that Linmar likes to bring. You would think maybe the, the screen game would, would be a, a nice advantage for Muscatine in that regard. Obviously, that's where they like to, to get to Eli Gay, um, usually. The offense has really hit its stride. Uh, Kyle, just what... Real quick before we get into the stats, just what was the what's been the most impressive part about their offense the last six quarters? Because you you've been the one that's actually seen them during that time. Yeah, they've just been very explosive. Obviously, Nimley's been so hard to bring down on the field. I mean, it's taken a group of people on defense to get them down to the ground, and um, it's just been Carson or Tim Nimley and mm-hmm. Eli Gay mm-hmm. kind of that show between those three, and they've put up a lot of points here mm-hmm. recently. They also have zero turnovers in the last two weeks. They've been good on turnovers all season, a lot a lot lower than last year, but they haven't turned it over at all the last two weeks. Uh, Mueller obviously was pleased with that when I asked him about it. They have 69 points in their last six quarters. That includes, like I said, a 34-point second half against City High, uh, 35 last week in Pleasant Valley. I have to go back and look, but I would not imagine – Muscatine has scored 35 points in Pleasant Valley very many times lately. Pleasant Valley usually has a very good defense, and I think that's the second most points they've given up this year. They still have pretty good defense. Um, You mentioned Nimley, 66 carries for 493 yards and three touchdowns in the last two games. Um, Carson Orr, like I said, he's been produced, like you said, he's been producing nearly 1,000 passing yards this year. He's actually right behind a Linmar quarterback at eighth in the state. Um, Eli Gay is fifth in the state with 579 receiving yards. He's actually first in, not the state, excuse me, that was first in, uh, or eighth in Class 4A for Carson Orr. And Eli Gay is fifth in Class in Class 4A with 579 receiving yards. And he's first with 47 receptions. Uh, really, it just kind of seems like all 11 guys are finally executing and finishing off the drives from Muscatine. I know Mueller likes to see that. He maybe wishes it would have happened earlier in the year. But he's still happy to see it happening now. Uh, Kyle, just uh, give me your, give me your prediction. Who, who do you think is going to win this game? Obviously, this is kind of a must win for Muscatine if they want to have a chance at the playoffs. Yeah, and you know they showed up after that Johnston loss and took care of business against Iowa City High at home. I expect them to do the same thing here mm-hmm. tonight against Linmar. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I do think it actually will be a pretty close game. I think Linmar, like I kind of. You know, painted the picture of already they're a better team than their record would indicate. But I do think just senior night. Um, just M- Mueller mentioned how proud he how proud he is of these seniors. I guess I should get this in real quick. As proud of this group as any group that that he's coached in Muscatine, just because 
you know, the one and seven, um, two and seven, and one and seven. I, I think it was four, four and twenty-two in their first three seasons uh, of high school football. And he and he said that those kids have believed since even before that they even before they have seen results. They they believed in the process, which not a lot of high school kids do. So he's just been thrilled with what they did in the off season and what they've done this year. And he he's glad they've got to be a part of. Of a winning team this year, obviously four and two from Muscatine. He's hoping to finish it out on a strong strong note for them. And I do think they're going to do that at least tonight. I think Muscatine wins this game, and then we can go. Um, like like I mentioned, this one is a uh, it's a six o'clock start tonight. That'd be Durant at Highland. Um, Durant's perfect district record. Kyle put on the line against a pretty good Highland team. I believe they're top five in the RPI this year. Yeah, they've given up just 18.8 points per game to opponents this season, so kind of see how Durant's offense does against a strong defense like Highland. Um, you know, we've talked about it. Durant scored 94 points these last two weeks combined. LaFrenz leads the district with 1,128 yards and 11 touchdowns. Compton leads all receivers in the district in receptions with 35 yards, 785 in touchdowns, 9. Mm-hmm. Um, so Durant's gained 1,005 total yards across these two district contests. They should do all right tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is another one. You know, Muscatine is kind of battling maybe a slightly uphill battle for a playoff berth. Uh, Durant, if they win this one tonight, it it's kind of tough seeing them not make the playoffs at, at this point, I think. I guess, do you agree with that, Kyle, or what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it seems like they have a pretty favorable schedule the last two weeks of the season. So if they were able to win this one and improve to 3-0, and I think that puts them in a great position for a mm. playoff spot. Yeah, it's just kind of hard to know because on paper, it does look like they do have a tough game or two still left. But you know, we thought this whole district was going to be tough for them, and they've just breezed through it so far. So kind of tough to say there, but I do think Highland is a very good team. So if they're able to win this game just already being ranked pretty highly, I think, 7th or 8th in the RPI, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there. I think they're in great position uh, for a playoff berth. I do think Durant is favored, yet BC Moore has him as like a four-point favorite tonight. Uh, Kyle, who you got? I'm sticking with Durant again. Yeah, it, it's just hard to pick against them with the way that offense has has been humming uh, as of late. Just, you know, Compton... Uh, LaFrenz in the passing game, and then just Hughes, and now DeLong on, on the ground. He's come along nicely as well. So, yeah, I think we've both got Durant in this one. And, and then on the Wilton here, this is probably the biggest game of the week. Um, I kind of mentioned it. I, I think this one is probably for the district title. Um, a- after this game, uh, Wilton has uh, Columbus and Van Buren on the schedule. Mediapolis, I don't know who their, who their second game is against at the end, but they play Sigourney Kyoto still. So probably win that one. These two are obviously the two best teams in the district. Uh, Wilton, number 10 in Class uh, 1A. Mediapolis, number 5. Even though this one's on the road, um, Wilton is a four-point favorite, uh, according to B.C. Moore. Uh, Kyle, what do you think of this matchup? Uh, What do you think uh, the Beavers have to do to come out on top here? Uh, well, Wilton has been so good in these last two games, outscoring their opponents 71-6. to They're allowing just 9.8 points per game this season. Uh, so defense obviously be key here with Mediapolis having a talented quarterback. And I, 
I'm not going to try to pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it looks like it should it looks like it should be easy, but it's not. It's four letters, but yeah, um, we'll 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 just call him the four letter. No, I'm just kidding. We won't call him that. Masner. Yeah, we'll just call him Masner. Not Wapolos. Trent Masner. Yep, yep. Not not a Wapolo Masner. Not Wapolo. So yep, he's got uh, close to 600 passing yards, uh, 539 this year, nine touchdowns. They're pretty balanced too. Their running back has uh, 81 carries for 674 and six touchdowns. That's that's Zach Osborne. But Kyle, we've talked about this all year, but Wilton obviously has has its own offensive weapons as well. Yep, Jerome Mays, 723 passing yards, 507 rushing yards at quarterback. Running back Colin McCrabb has 553 yards rushing, so. And then Corey Anderson, mm-hmm. don't want to forget him either. Right, yeah. Receiver. He's, got, he's got in the 300s and the receiving yards. Had a really big game uh, last week. Uh, so, yeah, Wilton is currently 10th in the RPI right now. Um, like I said, Van Buren and Columbus in the last two games, I don't think that's really going to do a whole lot for their RPI. Just wins over those two teams. Just neither team has had a very good season. So I think um, I was talking with Matt Koss about this yesterday. If Wilton wants to guarantee its spot, it really needs to win uh, the district title. Um, otherwise, not saying they won't get in, but it might be a little more uncomfortable than maybe yeah. Beaver fans might think, whether or not they're actually going to get in or not. So, yeah, tonight, obviously, uh, a big one. Uh, I'll be out there so you can follow along uh, my Twitter, at Evan R. Riggs. Um, I'll be live-tweeting that one. Kyle, who do you got? Well, if Columbus can put up 40 points against Minneapolis, I think Wilton can probably match that, maybe. <laughs> but I don't think they will, actually. It'll be tough weather conditions, but they won't give up 55 points. I think they get the win tonight. Yep, you mentioned tough weather conditions. There is a, a chance of rain basically everywhere tonight, including down in Minneapolis. So, yeah, um, I, I do think Wilton actually is going to get this win as well. Um, it, it just seems like whether it's the, the you know, BC Moore or even the RPI, I don't think Minneapolis is maybe quite getting uh, the respect you would think of the number five ranked team. So maybe still some questions about how good they actually are. You know, they play a lot of our area teams and They've beaten them, but they haven't exactly just, like, blown them out of the water. So I do think this is a game that will be a close game. I, I think just uh, that Wilton defense will be the difference tonight, uh, in my opinion. But it, it will be a close, uh, hard-fought win, I think. And then um, just, I think, I oh, know we still got a couple more games here. I was going to say last game, jumping the gun a little you bit there. Three. Yeah, three more. So we're, we're halfway through. Here I am saying saying last game. Um We've got West Liberty at Louisa Muscatine. Uh, a very crucial game, Kyle, for, for both teams, but you would think if West Liberty wins this game that they're sitting pretty good. Yep, they're already 2-0 in that district. Class 2A District 5, the only unbeaten team in the district. Um, but Louisa Muscatine's 1-1. One one. They're in a four-way tie for second, so a lot of lot on the line in this one, I think. Mm-hmm. This game is in Louisa Muscatine. So not going to be an easy game for West Liberty by any means. Obviously, uh, L&M has an explosive offense. Uh, Chase Cruz completing 81% of his passes for 306 yards and two touchdowns the last two weeks. I mentioned Feldman's stats over the last two weeks, 301 passing yards and three touchdowns. Also 78% completion percentage, so he's just been really good lately as well. And so if they, they've outscored their opponents 66-9 to in district play. Remember, this is the same team that, that lost 32-6 to uh, to West Branch week one. Uh, two overtime losses in the next three weeks. 
Um, very, very tough schedule to start the season. I think you're kind of seeing now that what kind of team they actually are. Uh, but the big question, Kyle, is uh, is the West Liberty run going to continue through Louisa Muscatine tonight? I think it is. Maybe another overtime game? <laughs> no, probably not. I think they... I think they went pretty easily in this one. Yeah, I, 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 can't, I don't know if I'm going to say easily, but I do think West Liberty wins this one fairly convincingly. I'll, I'll say I just think that they've kind of found their stride uh, this season. And Louisa Muscatine has got – they've got some weapons offensively, but I'm just uh, a little unsure defensively how they're going to slow down West Liberty. Uh, I think West Liberty won this one by, by maybe you know, 14, 20 points somewhere in that range. And then, um, okay, so now we're in our last two here. Given the countdown, still not the last one. We've got Wapolo searching for its first district win. Uh, Kyle, they've kind of hit uh, hit tough times, had a tough stretch ever since district play started. Obviously, part of that is the schedule they've played so far. they played both Minneapolis and Wilton, the two best teams in the district. It gets a little easier uh, with Van Buren tonight. Yeah, well, Wapolo, not Wilton. Wapolo has scored... Just 19 points combined in these last three weeks, all the losses. Um, but they do have the top rusher in Class 1A District 5 in Ricky Fords, who has 123 rush attempts for 706 yards and six touchdowns. I think he'll find a little more room to run here against Van Buren than he mm-hmm. did last week against Wilton. Yeah, and uh, Noah Holland, again, he's had a pretty nice season, just you know, obviously struggled last week, but 553 passing yards, the third most in the district. Um, and Wapolo is facing a, a friendly defense, a defense that has allowed 35 points in four of the last five weeks. So like you said, you would think maybe the offense will, will get back on track. And I think we both, we both like the Wapolo defense. Obviously, it hasn't been able to stand up to these really good teams. But I think against this level of competition, it wouldn't surprise me to see that defense kind of show out and, and play well tonight too, Kyle. I've I've got Wapolo in this one. Um, are, are we in agreement there? Are you yeah, are you going to differ here? No, I'm going to stick with Wapolo too. Gotcha, gotcha. And then we can move on uh, to the last game. I'm finally correct this time. Last game of the week. It is Sigourney Kyoto at Columbus Community. Um, Columbus, like we said, has a lot to build on after a 40 point outing last week that that we definitely would not have expected. Chance Colby has been playing well as of late, especially. Um, they now face a, a, a Sigourney Kyoto team that has been a pretty feast or famine, as you say. Kyle, explain that one to us. Yeah, kind of a strange pattern here going on with Sigourney Kyoto. They've scored 12, 22, and 0 points in weeks 1, 3, and 5, but they've scored 44, 48, and 46 points in weeks 2, 4, and 6. So well, hey, it's it's an odd week, right? It's an odd week. All right, it's an odd, it's an odd week. So you gotta think Columbus has a decent shot. Uh, Sydney Kyoto apparently only shows up for the evens. Um, <laughs> kind of like the New York or the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, right? yeah, they the every other year. Maybe when Taylor Swift comes out with her next album, uh, Sydney Kyoto will win the district title or something. Um, Kyle, who, who do you have in this one? I think we both liked what Columbus did last week. Are we ready to to take the leap with them this week? I don't think I don't think quite yet. I think Sigourney Kyoto gets the win here, but Columbus does is improving quite a bit here mm-hmm. down the stretch. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting one for me. I'll definitely have my eye on this one because I do think Sigourney Kyoto is going to win. But I'm just going to say watch out uh, for the Wildcats tonight. It would not be the most shocking thing in the world to me. In Columbus, kind of a, a, a rainy night, 
presumably. Kyle, you've been on that field on, on a rainy night. You know it uh, It can get muddy. It can get slippery. Um, Columbus is 37-point underdogs. I think they're going to cover that BC Moore spread fairly easily. I'm going to pick Sigourney, but I'm just going to say I would not. I'm going to hedge my bet and say I would not be surprised if uh, the Wildcats get their first win tonight. Yep. Well, I think uh, unless you've got anything to add on the Wildcats or anything else uh, pertaining to our high school sports this week, Kyle, I think we're about to, to call it good. Yep, just try to stay dry out there tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping to get to Minneapolis early enough to, to get a spot in the press box. Uh, yeah, I'm more concerned about that hour and 20-minute drive back. Uh, in the rain. We'll see how that goes, but worth it to see a, a potential district title uh, game, you know, kind of a pseudo-district title game tonight, a couple weeks early. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Um, you can follow me at Evan R. Riggs on Twitter. Uh, Kyle is at Heim Kyle. As always, iTunes link will go on the Journal's website at muscatinejournal.com. It'll go on the Journal Sports Twitter account which you should be following already if you're not, at mjournal underscore sports. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll take a look back at uh, week seven. And should be an interesting one tonight, so I'm excited for next week's show to, to see what all goes down tonight, look back at all the other area sports. We'll have some postseason uh, volleyball to maybe preview at that point next week. So looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much for listening.